0: Hello, internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor in chief for Imperial Esports and welcome to the Rough Drafts podcast. This is one of those episodes that I have been working on for literal months now. There were a lot of things that came up, obviously, uh, but we have made it happen. Uh, I am joined on the other line by Devin Pyrotechnics Young. Devin, how are you doing, man?
1: Uh, pretty good. It really has been a long time. I remember, you know, we, we were we weren't actually getting the ball rolling on this. But I think you originally asked me like back in, you know, just after Worlds, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously, I wasn't able to talk for a little bit then. So then we, we kind of put it off to the side and kept putting it off to the side. And, you know, props to you for being on the ball about it. But, but thanks for having me on here.
0: It's awesome to have you here, man. You know, this is one of those things where, you know, we can trace our way all the way back to to Paravine days and everything else. And it's,
1: you know, Yeah, the good old into the rift chat.
0: Oh my gosh. And it was uh it was great to see you in uh in Berlin uh back in I wanna say April of last year. Yeah, and, I told you about the ramen place, right? Yeah, you did. And it's one of the, it's one of my favorite Japanese places I've ever been to. You absolutely nailed it. And you've been nailing most of the casting things that have been going on so far um, uh, i think i know what you're getting at yeah well i i want to start before we get into my favorite moment <laughs> of week one i do want to ask you about oh, IEM cologne a little bit because obviously you know you'd had all these you know kind of issues with your voice and, and recovering so you know it's a very obviously a tough pot process physically um it's something that you know kept you from being able to cast for a while kind of put you on the sidelines a bit as you were figuring that out so what was it like, both coming back from all of that stuff and doing it at an e s l event versus the kind of riot event that you're obviously more accustomed to
1: uh all right well let's let's start with you know just kind of coming back in general, mm-hmm. so that was my first event uh well, I guess I did all stars, which was kind of a fun event, and it was sort of a little miscellaneous stuff, mm-hmm. kind of last minute for me as well but you know, this was my first like regular casting coming back. You know, I did a lot of research on the teams. Obviously, the prep was a lot more hectic. Uh, we didn't have the week-to-week kind of preparation stuff, and we're relying on you know word-of-mouth information about like oh this Chinese team and this other team and talking about ever. Like I had to go back and watch. Uh, I didn't watch all the Kespa Cup stuff live, so all the prep was obviously a lot more hectic because I wasn't used to it. Mm-hmm. And and you know I I didn't get the really. Hampered treatment that we have because we, we, we have so much stuff, so many, so much information to fall back on with uh, ride events. So it was, it was very on the fly, uh, which which was refreshing to be honest. Like I wouldn't want to do it all the time, but it, it's nice to. It's kind of like when you when you live in an RV and then you go camping for real. It's like that difference. Hmm. So uh, I don't know if that relates to anybody at all, but uh, <laughs> that's the metaphor that popped into my head. Yeah. So, it was nice. ESL are really awesome professional people to work with. I had a really great time talking with, uh, with Chobra, working with him, uh, working with Sean Charles, uh, the hype guy. He is a very, very genial individual. Um, obviously, working with Dexter and Yamato, I, I know them, and, and they're, they're pretty solid. Uh, and I got to be back with Frost Curran again, so that was fantastic. <laughs> uh, also, Uber Shouts, um, really, really good to work with, uh, excellent, excellent guy as well. And uh, I'm happy he got to cast some league, because apparently that's something he's been really wanting to do for a while. So, you know, I really can't say enough good things about the people I worked with. Um, I definitely was a bit rusty, and, uh, you know, I had had a lot to, like, kind of think about after the cast, like, okay, how do I improve and do this, and how do I sync up better with my co-caster here, mm-hmm. but but generally, um, I think the event was, was a lot of fun to do, and, and I hope people enjoyed it.
0: Well, that's one of those things, especially with ESL tournaments, right? Because casters are kind of drawn from all over the place. You need a little bit from each region. So you're kind of building this chemistry on the fly. And I'm always impressed by how smoothly that side of things tends to run. Uh, it would be, it would be very easy, I would imagine, for things to be. You Know kind of difficult to click because you don't get a lot of one on one time with these people, you don't have the you know multiple weeks like when you're working with someone like a Deficio or a Crepa where you've bounced off of things in meetings and gotten to know them really well. You know, some of these people, um, you know, it's it's very much on the fly, and I was pleasantly surprised, I think, by how uh ESL Cologne went, especially when you know people were f- the internet, of course, panicked as they always do with everything, but uh, but you know, that cast, you know, you talk Panic is a nice movie. way to say it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, trust me, we've been on the end of the of the oh. wrath for a little bit. Oh well. yeah, I know, I know what that's um, about. It's uh, but it does lead to a kind of an interesting point. I've always been curious on it, and it comes to how casting works. then you know, really, you talk about being rusty and trying to build up this chemistry and trying to put all these notes together all at once. You know, I think casting is obviously it's got a lot of different elements that all have to come together to make a show work. What is it about casting that, you know, you think maybe people wouldn't naturally know about or something that, you know, if they could go behind the scenes, what would people be surprised by as far as, you know, what you do and what all of your co-casters have to do to make a show like the one you guys do at Riot run as smoothly as it has?
1: Okay, well, as it pertains specifically to LCS, since, you know, this is the show that I work on the most and Mm -hmm. uh, it's the only one I can really comment in length about, there's a lot of preparation and, and a lot of people... Will sometimes come up to me and ask, "Oh, well, Pyra, what's uh, you know, what's your day to day like when you're not casting? Like, do you just get to hang at home and like just kind of like watch vods casually?" And I have to always kind of just in my head shake my head a little bit because I know they don't know. But then I then I then I just kind of like you always explain the same thing, which is um, we have a very structured uh, you know set of meetings where we kind of talk about talking points and prep like that where we all sync up on like what we want to talk about and give each other ideas. You can, you can you know, make the the scripting joke, but there is some segments that we, we pre-plan, like, our topics. And then we don't go, obviously, we don't, like, write everything out then and there because, A, that'd be ridiculous. And, B, we'd always deviate anyways because you never, like, read, you know, unless you're acting in a movie, you never read exactly what's on a script. Right. Um, but we come up with our talking points like that, and that's, like, Monday through Wednesday. We also uh, participate in building up, like, graphics and things like that. Uh, so we, we have a lot of discussions with a lot of the other people that are behind the scenes on the show. Um, and, and obviously, like, this isn't anything to do with casting, but we just we prep all of those things. We oftentimes will uh, sit down and talk about what we think the meta's like or going to be like. Usually it's me uh, listening to Crepo and Deficio talk about it. We also have Stress, uh, our other color commentator who does Challenger Series and occasional LCS. Uh, he talks a lot about that stuff, too. I'm pretty much the only play-by-player that has, like, no input on the meta ever because i'm i think i'm silver three right now (laughs) uh but i you know i usually i'll say like hey i think what if if this is like kind of good and i'll bring something up and usually they shake their head and be like no no just sit down pyra but uh there's just a lot of prep that uh is mostly done on our own but also when we get in meetings together and kind of come up with stuff together i actually personally i write a massive document um, I did the beginning of the split, and I, I usually add to it or write a new one every couple of weeks about like what I think the big stories are, quoting interviews, things I can talk about. Um, and then we also have statistics that get, get you know that get fed to us, and we we have them printed out like every Tuesday. Like oh, look at this! Uh, like last week, Steve was like uh, really good on Fiora, and I can talk about that. Uh, like he played two Fiora games, and he was really great. Cool, I get to use that now. In my next point, mm-hmm. stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh there's a ton of stuff that goes behind the scenes there. I, I can't imagine, uh, especially given how many different, you know, databases and sources of information you have, it can kind of almost be an overload. And and for a show like this, I mean, e- even for like this podcast, right? Like we, you and I went over like what topics are going to come up and how we're going to address them, how we're going to segue from one thing to the next. And people oftentimes kind of forget just how important managing that flow is and being able to not only you know, grab the information, which is, of course, its own thing and requires, you know, really sitting down and, and breaking all these things into categories that you can use, but then figuring out how to use it in a way that is both digestible and flows with the rest of the cast. That's, I mean, that's right. a whole other level of kind of depth that I think people don't always s- understand or, or really appreciate. I mean, I'm just thinking right now, like, I have my week one notes on the European LCS because I'm working on an article this week, and that's 15 pages on a Word document. Oh, God, and, yeah. And if that's what I'm doing and I'm not casting and I don't have to have all this stuff off the top of my head performing live in front of a camera, uh, I can't – You know, it's, it's just a, a very different level of engagement and one that I think uh, is, is really fascinating to watch come together because it can create some really memorable moments. Like, for example, <laughs> yep. this week when you uh, claimed oh, that we boy. had the winner of summer coming our way.
1: Which is- well, I you know, I predicted things, and we'll see if they, they work out or not, but uh, I, I think I just got a little bit, uh, I got—I want to say ahead of myself, but no, I, I got uh, a little excited. I'm, I'm waiting for the weather to turn a little nicer, so <laughs> it was a Freudian slip, if you will, Chase.
0: Yeah, no, look, I am all in favor <laughs> of the weather improving I, from here.
1: Dude, That when that happened, I literally, I had this moment where you, know, you can draw like a cartoon diagram of like, my mouth and like my brain and like a little line between them there's like a little little like electric impulse going down that line and it goes out of my brain and in and out out of my mouth and and the word summer comes out and then it travels back in through my ears up to my head and my head just goes hira <sighs> <laughs> you did it again so then then I had to wait like our you know our 3 or 4 second silence and I just I that's like the most uncomfortable moment in the world because I'm just thinking like what Twitch chat's doing right now, what, uh, what everyone is facepalming right now, or like thinking like, wait, what? <laughs> and, then, and then I just like try to sneak it in there and just go, spring. <laughs> so was, I'm looking forward to the fun fail compilation. <laughs> it, it was a
0: genuinely awesome moment. And the thing is, you can get away with moments like that if you have the enthusiasm to back it up. Because if you're excited, then we get caught up in that and then it takes us a second and hopefully by that time, uh, you've figured out how to cover up for it. But I especially, Thank you. The, I
1: appreciate the compliment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it just for me, what made it all together was just the co- like. Neither of your co-casters wanted to correct you; like they didn't want to be that guy, and so you were the one that had to throw the spring in there, just kind of right after the silence. And so it really just it popped out yep. in, in a beautiful way. Um, and, but that's kind of the thing with these shows, right? Like even when you have moments like that, it helps create that kind of atmosphere that you guys are going for. And I actually I want to talk to you just really quickly about that atmosphere and and where Riot's kind of gone because you know something that Walter and I have talked about on this pod before especially after Worlds is that Riot has reached kind of a, a different level of professionalism when you look at how they carry events you know you look at just how few technical difficulties they were you know how people were presenting themselves on the desk and everything you know what are you guys. Yeah, you know, kind of keeping in mind as you try to figure out how to balance between the fun and excitement of these kind of games, but also making it clear that you know this is a product to be taken seriously and, and has this kind of place in esports. What, how, how does that balance work with you guys?
1: Hmm. Well, again, I can't speak to like every part of Riot because we're we're mostly independent from you know what they do in NA. Like I talk mm-hmm. to some of the casters over there sometimes, but we're not involved in any of that production at all, and they're not involved in our side of it. Um, for the EULCS specifically, you know, we we have a very uh, I want to say non trolley approach, but that's not always true. <laughs> so we try to you know we try to kind of build this this very professional sports atmosphere in our in in our broadcast, and and what that really comes from is just a a, a kind of a melting pot of all the opinions of all of us on the show, right? So we sit in there, uh, you know, me, quick Deficio, stress pulls uh crepo and Shox and a few other people and the producers and like everyone who's on the line and we kind of just talk about how we want to prep these things for a week to week and it always seems to just kind of move towards this this uh this certain style of of as you described it professionalism um, and you know, I don't know if you're talking about specifically like the composure we maintain like on broadcast, what we, you know, our do's and don'ts kind of thing. Cause obviously we're a little bit different in delivery and stuff from NA and from a lot of these other shows. I, I don't really know. I, I think it's kind of a mix of like us wanting to like emulate what we like about certain sports. Like for me, I'm a massive NFL fan, um, which is hard if you live in Europe for the record, <laughs> but, uh, I like to, I like to watch, broadcasters in NFL and listen, like, watch their body language, how they interact with one another. I like to listen to their speech patterns, and I pick that up, too. I I grew up um, in San Diego, and I I was listening to, I'm deviating from your question a little bit, uh, I was listening to uh, the the Chargers radio all the time because, uh, I don't know if you know how NFL blackouts work, but um, if you're a Chargers fan and you don't sell out tickets, you don't get to go to the games, or you don't get to watch the games on TV in your local market. So I used to listen to the radio all the time when I was just driving around. uh, And this guy, the play-by-play commentator is this guy named um, Josh Lewin. And he has this really uh, up-jumpy, incredible hype style that I kind of, I think, without even thinking about it, I just started doing when I was casting. So he's the kind of guy that's like, and he's there, he's to the the 10, he's to the 15, to the 1. Oh, he gets a touchdown! You know, he he jumps (laughs) it up in these, like, really very specific uh, places and it just that's just is my style. So like everyone takes their own what is this esport to me? What is what is what do we want our league show to look like? A real sport or more of a game thing or whatever. And it ends up being an amalgamation of all that. And that's I think that's what you mean by our our, our professionalism. Am I more or less right?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and and for the record, as someone who lived in the UK for a few years and is now going over to Istanbul, uh, I understand your pain of trying to be an NFL fan overseas. Of course, luckily for me, I'm a Falcons fan, so avoiding games is probably best for my sanity in the first place.
1: That's so fair. I, well, I I decided to change allegiance, so I'm supporting the Broncos as of like a year.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That's at least uh... we can make playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't even blame you. I honestly uh, I I understand. There's only so many years. Uh, uh, the Chargers are going to move anyways. Yeah, anyways. So that's really what it comes down to. But uh, we got to move on from uh, – we'll have an NFL cast together at some other Excellent. point. Excellent. Can't wait. Um, we'll get but, Thomas on there too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but we'll, uh, we should talk about how kind of League of Legends analysis has shifted over the past – you know, year, year and a half or so, because, you know, I'm a guy, you know, we both appreciate sports and we appreciate, you know, in in the NFL, MLB, all these kinds of things, there's been this move towards advanced metrics. And I've always found those kinds of things fascinating, just the way we can break down all of these sports that we used to have very simple categories for and can now look at all this different levels of depth, when we're trying to make actual analytical points. And one of the cool things about League of Legends, obviously being a computer game, is that it's even easier to kind of take the literal data and put it into these kind of more complicated advanced metrics. And when you look at what guys like Spellsy and what guys like Magic uh, from Oracle's Elixir have done, it's really changed a lot of the levels of information available to us so I got to ask, how has that changed the way you view the game? Is it something that, you know, you like to, to incorporate more or less than maybe some of your other co-casters? Is it something that kind of is nice when it makes sense, but, you know, is it's easier to focus on some other variables that are perhaps easier to digest for fans? Like, where do you kind of come down on this kind of movement?
1: Uh, well, obviously there's, there's too much of a good thing as a possibility, right? But maybe that's not the right foot to start off on. I think it's great that we have access to more things. Uh, you mentioned Spelzy; He's one of the guys, you know, in all of our meetings, we work with him in the office uh, and he's, you know, he's our primary statistician. Um, the way we you know we record data and like grab stuff from the game is is like it's it's kind of mind boggling to me, uh, even as somebody who you know in in, a, in another life did some statistical analysis for League of Legends back before there was any such thing as an API. <laughs> but uh, I think it's great for using uh, or for, for for finding interesting patterns and things that you just don't always think of. Um, a really good example of something that we 've built out of the stats is this baron power play i 'm sure you 've seen it on a broadcast. We talk about it all the time you know it 's the, it's the goal difference uh, the goal differential and how it changes uh, based on uh, you know when, when from when you get barren till when uh, Baron expires and and how that 's affected by how far ahead you were to begin with so if you, you know, if you're gonna, and also, like if you win the game before it's expired, you know, how to account for that kind of thing. There's all these cool things that you can do with it, and we can always talk about it. Like If a Baron power play gets a team 5,000 gold ahead, that's like actually standard. That's the average. Right. So if somebody gets like, or maybe not quite that much, but I don't have the exact number offhand. But it, it, you know, in LCS, if somebody gets ahead by 7,000 gold with Baron, they, they, did a, they utilized the Baron really well. And that's something that we can point there and say, hey, look, this team is really good at you taking advantage of their Baron. Because they always get this much gold swing off of it. Um, that's one of those things that, that spellsy kind of started as a pet project. I personally like to just have like picks, KDA, a lot of simple stuff as a as a not a primary point, but to back up what I'm saying. And that's that's that stuff's kinda of duh. It's kind of obvious. But it's nice to have a sheet in front of me so I can I can say things confidently like, oh yeah, you know, Steve played a great Fiora yesterday. He had two games and he was this, this, this score on it, and you know, he's really shaping up as a nice carry. So instead of just me saying yeah, Steve is a carry. I can I can talk about why. Uh, yeah. I can talk about why something's good. Um, the same thing's true of like gold share and kill participation. Like mm-hmm. I don't usually delve into those things as much as say the color commentators will. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some of them like to use it a lot. Some of them don't use stats quite as often. And it's it's an each his own thing. But we we all have access to the same data, which is nice.
0: Yeah. No. And it's it is interesting. You you do need that balance between going. All in on stats, which would obviously alienate some of the more casual viewers. I mean, one of the things I love about the Baron power play stat is that it's very easy to understand. You you can see the Baron happened. This is how much gold was gained. You know, you you have an immediate frame of reference as to what actually occurred. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, if you guys have been listening to this podcast long enough, you'll know that I have slowly but surely tried to get my mom to watch a few League of Legends games with me.
1: And how's, that just, how's that going, by the way?
0: Uh, It's interesting. Uh, ev- Basically, she decides what team she thinks is going to win based on whether or not she actually remembers what the champion does based on the last time I explained it to them. It's, it's a good starting point. It, it's, it's a good starting point. So she's like, I like the spider lady. Like, She's a big fan of, of Elise because she's <laughs> really? like, oh, it's a spider. It's cool. You know, my my actually, dad's favorite
1: champion is Gragas.
0: Nice. Yes, she loves I got him. him a, I got him a figure
1: uh, for his birthday.
0: Nice. Yeah, the fat man, as she likes to call him. Yeah, uh, it's you know, those little things kind of stick, but uh, but that's what that's one of the beautiful things about a Baron Power Play because that it's very, you know, very easy, very crisp, and you know, it's great to have, um, just kind of on the screen is something that even the casual fan can kind of point to and say, Oh, well, that's that's what that means. It kind of puts an actual quantity to it, which is nice. Um, but I, you know, I'm obviously a, a big stats that we've had Tim Seven using on this podcast, uh, so many times. And I love seeing things like uh like the EGR, uh, you know, the early game rating that he's come up with that kind of shows, you know, what win percentage could we expect from a team that has the early game that they do, uh, and then looking at, well, what actually happens and seeing how you know teams can excel in that way. And that's kind of this bigger, you know, long-term strategic point. And you're a play-by-play guy. So it's kinda it's you look at obviously those things in a different way, you know, how much of, of that kind of, you know, those team qualities that are hard to quantify in something like a kda how much of that plays into how you break these things down as you prepare for the week
1: i'm actually really glad you asked that because this week uh this split especially i have done a lot more of like what i like to call humanizing side something that i think we were lacking this last year was you know the whole describe a player's history and where they come from and what their motivation is Partially because we didn't have a lot of that info, right? Mm-hmm. But we're trying to tell these stories more. We just had a, our, our player conference where we, we sit down with a lot of the players and talk about doing things, uh, well, doing things like interviews and broadcast stuff and just you know, talking to them about uh, like why it's a good idea, their chance to tell a story. And we actually came up with some really interesting things mm-hmm. uh, that we can start talking about on the broadcast. Uh, and I won't give anything away because I don't want to ruin the story before we get to it. But I've also been doing, uh, you talked about a 15 page document. My 15 page document is every LCS team and like a story or several stories about every player on it and then stories about the teams. Things like, I, I go from like, like something to do with the game and their motivation to like maybe a fun throwaway fact. Uh, everyone knows the Chef Gomsu story. I have that in there just as a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have. I also have quotes from uh, Daylor and people when when Gamsu was signed and Spirit was signed and things that I can just sort of fall back on. I'm not going to word for word them, but if they're like a snappy line, I could talk about it. Like that's that's the kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions on there. Like like for example, one of my questions is is what did Fnatic lose with Yellow Star? And then I like have bullet points underneath that, so I can. These are all soft points, but they're the kind of points that. We didn't do that much of and I really want to change that because I think that's something that, that traditional sports are are miles ahead on, partially because they, they have a lot of they have a lot of history to fall back on compared to to Lily Sports, which has, you know, got six years, six seasons of that effectively.
0: Right. And all you need to do if you want an example of that is just watch any Manning versus Brady ad that's going to air over the next week or oh, yeah. anything with Ronaldo or any of these, you know, great uh football in Europe players. Uh, you know, it's it's just this idea of when you can associate with the players, you can associate with the story, then you really have something you can latch onto. And it gives, you know, fans a reason to, you know, love a team. You know, I, I mean it just as a as a basic example, right? I was an uh North American fan widow because, you know, Team Coast, formerly, you know, GGU had fallen back way back in the day. I was I was all in on the Zion Spartan uh you know, the Shifter original. Train. Yeah, Wiz Fusion, all that great.
1: Oh, so, before it became uh, I, Apollo.
0: Literally, before it, it it transitioned that way. And then I, you know, took a, uh, a season off. Then I went on to Winter Fox because I wanted to root for Poe and All Tech, and I forgot Brian Cordry was involved. <laughs> and now I am on Renegades and literally the moment I decided it, it wasn't because, you know, I loved any particular play, you know, play style. I didn't, you know, there wasn't some, you know, I wasn't like some old school Alex itch fan. You know, there are plenty of those out there, but for me, it was the player reveal when they have, you know, freeze come in, he's got the bandana, he's got like the hoodie on and he's, they've got the M M&M and M in the background. And I'm like, that is the kind of attitude, the story, the everything that I want to root for. And but I see think-
1: here's here's your problem, Chase. Yo, OK. You picked NA teams to support. Oh, I'm a rock Hat fan. I,
0: I <laughs> look, I've spent two years now watching rock Hat get one game away from qualifying for the world championship. Let me be clear. Yeah, I have my EU sacrifice.
1: All right. I'll give you that. But the, the Renegades <laughs> thing is actually a really good point. Um, we talked about this a little in the office, actually, and and. Um the freeze video was pretty cool. I actually really liked the full roster intro, mm. but I wish they had done it and this is what a lot of people were saying um around around our campfire too is like it looked really cool and the cinematography was great and it was like super well done, but I wish that had been their like roster announcement video. Mm instead of, like, coming out a few weeks later, right? It was yeah. still really cool, don't get me wrong. I, I, like, actually really liked it. I really love the media that Renegades are are, are putting out there right now. Yeah. Um, and I and I really hope they, they do well. So, uh, I mean, right now we'll, we'll have to see, I suppose, as it goes forward.
0: Yeah, no, but it, it is interesting, you know, and you think about even things like that amazing documentary, right, made uh, Legends Rising, which mm-hmm. was so much fun to watch. And it's another thing that I could you know, show people who know nothing about esports and kind of be like, you know, here are the stories, you know, that yep. kind of stuff. Well, and really...
1: Drive and TSM Legends and oh. Chasing the Cup, all these things, like, it's gotten better and better every year.
0: Yeah, and and so it's really, it's nice to, to find that extra way to engage with viewers. And I think that, you know, that's something, I, I'm glad to hear that's something you guys are actively working on because that's the kind of thing that I think uh, would be the next logical step in terms of how this kind of broadcast of, evolves. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, to oh. hearing all the raw stories with this new roster, there you so go. So many new faces, and I need something to believe in. I need some stories of why I need to fall in love with these guys. Oh, so you'll, I'm looking, you'll, you'll have a few. I'm looking forward um, to it, absolutely. But uh, there are
1: okay. there are actually a lot of other things besides the casting where we, we tell the stories too. Like we we have we have uh, you know all those videos that we make the features and things like that in between. Like yeah, this is just when I'm. It's not like we didn't do that before, but like we we have a, a more active hand, in I would say this year, um, like us as casters.
0: Yeah. That's it. We're, we're
1: always being encouraged to 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 add information to it.
0: Nice. I'm really Does that make look, sense? yeah, of course. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. But I, I want to move on to uh the next thing that I think really has shifted the way that we view the game, which is the ease of getting international film nowadays. You know, you talked about before with you know, ESL uh and the IM Cologne event. Like you had to f- cover all these different events and you know, kind of catch up with all these tournaments that you may or may not have been able to see live, which I-, I don't know how anyone could see half of these things live. It's my job to watch most of these things, and I can't watch most of them live.
1: Well, I'll let you in on a little secret, Chase. Um, I use this wonderful tool. It's called Lola Event Fods. yes. Um, I, don't, I don't always watch things live. I try to. Uh, one thing that is nice about Europe is it's a great time for LCK and LPL. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really cover LMS right now. I know like, if Obscurica listens to the show, he's going to be like shaking his fist with rage. <laughs> um, I, I don't really watch the, the minor regions all that much. And I've actually toned back LPL a lot because obviously unless you multi-twitch and then you lose attention, you can't watch both. Right. Uh so I, I tend to focus on LCK. Obviously I I watch every European game if I'm not casting them or even if I am. Um and I and I try and I focus a little bit more on NA. So I try to watch like a little bit more. I also try to watch a lot of other sports again just to kind of get the casting mindset working. And then I I watch a couple other esports too. Uh like CSGO is is my other big esport. And
0: so I I guess the the logical question to follow up with that is so how does that kind of access to the film being able to see these different regions and and have all these different perspectives because every region does kind of have its own meta its own approach to to how the game works and, and its own way of presenting this information how has that kind of shaped the way that you handle yourself as a as a caster how is that kind of different perspective outside of just you know the european stuff and going over those notes and all of those kind of workshops how has that outside information really hmm. changed how you analyze these kinds of things?
1: Well, uh, since I don't do a ton of heavy an- anal- analysis, uh, it, it's not as big a deal game content-wise. Obviously, if I see a really sick play or a really good pick that you know I don't see anywhere else or haven't seen anywhere else, it's nice to to you know see it and be like, oh, well, this this region used this, so now I can talk about it. You want to have a baseline level of knowledge, right? If something <laughs> massive happens, like you don't have to watch every single game, but if you know like a massive a massive play happened earlier on in uh you know in in China or Korea or whatever, like you could talk about it and and it shows that you have regional knowledge uh, apart from where you 're just casting and you 're not like on a little island, uh, which is one of the really cool things uh about about lowly sports is that it is truly global um, and you can say that about very few actual traditional sports mm-hmm. so that being said, uh, I also get a lot from watching the other region 's casters right like so I like to watch what what Doa is doing, or like listen to how he talks. Mostly play by play, right? But how they interact with their co casters. I like to listen to Atlas and Pastry Time um, and, and Rusty. And well, yeah, Rusty is uh, on the other side of the spectrum, but still, I like to listen to uh, like all sorts of casters. Uh, obviously, I listen to the NA guys. I, I listen to Rivington a lot. He's probably like the person I pay the most attention to, just because I think his style is, I want to say, closest to mine in terms of. How he, do, how he does the hype, and how he delivers things. Um, and actually, something I've been talking to him about personally is uh, how, he, how he practices for, for just casting in general. What, what, does, he, what does he do like, vocal technique-wise? What does he do to like, make sure he has like, his insane, like, cool vocabulary that he has? Um, obviously, he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. So that, to me, is, is what's really important about watching these other regions is how the other casters handle the varying situations and metas. Yeah. um apart from just the games themselves.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and and being able to, you know, take that in and and see these kind of compositions come forth. Then if, you know, it shifts, you know, because a lot of these teams obviously, they're watching these games as well. They'll take in that information when planning their next week and especially, you know, the more time you spend on a patch, the more yep. we are starting to see kind of an international singularity. And so you can kind of see how these picks evolve and how certain regions play it versus other regions. I always find that side of things interesting you know this is where you get jokes like the na rengar for forever right um but you know that was was a
1: that was a great joke by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) but uh but never got old let's talk about uh the european lcs for a moment because obviously that's your specialty uh given that you're casting you know all right here we go and, and this is a very interesting region at this point the second. Uh, most powerful region in the world. See, we can safely say because there were two absolutely. Teams I know. In the top four. I, I'm glad
1: you're on board with uh, the reality of things, Chase.
0: <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm all in on this. Look, I'm. You going saw to- our hype <laughs> video, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to Turkey. I'm all in on Europe now. That's I. I. I uh, I've abandoned I'll my American say nature. Say hi to Rital for me. <laughs> I can do that, please. Uh, but uh, but let's talk about week one because there were a lot of really interesting storylines that had started to play out back and forth uh what was the thing uh of all the things we saw in week one what surprised you the most what was the biggest kind of shock to you
1: oh, hmm. i mean I, that's a big question i actually got to think about it for a minute the single biggest surprise actually no i, I don't the single biggest surprise to me was origin dropping two games mm. Uh, and that was, you know, like you can, it's probably be analyzed quite a lot. I'm sure they will bounce back, but for me, it was just like, oh, well, okay. These guys really weren't quite prepared yet. And, you know, it makes you wonder where they, where they really prepping much in the off season. Probably not, yeah. uh, you know, immediately going forward and, you know, you saw a couple tweets about how they were talking about like practicing at land. So maybe they had some, some issues with like their gaming setup, house setup or whatever, but Uh, it just was a big surprise to me because, you know, everybody was like, these guys are going to be number one. They're not going to drop a game. Mm -hmm. They did have a tough week. So I I could have thought like maybe they'll lose one, but I didn't think they'd lose both.
0: Yeah. And it was the way they lost that was interesting to me. Uh, You know, it's one of the things that I looked at going into the season with Walter on our team by team preview. And, you know, power of evil, a lot of people were very hyped about that kind of upgrade in the mid lane as a lot of people saw it. But the thing about power of evil is that he doesn't, play the same kind of champions historically that xpeke did xpeke was one of the most self-sufficient mid laners that we have ever seen you know he would just his you know cs for 10 minutes his gold at 10 minutes all these things he just handled himself fine and amazing never had to worry about that lane it's why he was able to do so many ganks top so many three-man tower dives and especially in that Fnatic game it just seemed like now that he had to deal with the mid lane and now that he had to take that variable in an account because power of evil just isn't that guy. He just didn't know what to do, and and you would see times where he's just kind of sitting on the map, kind of running back and forth, not knowing where to go. And I, I found that to be interesting, uh, especially given that Orihan's kind of made this decision not to have a real head coach, kind of take over with thing. You've kind of got Expeca as a as a player coach right now.
1: So do you, well, he's, he's running the business too. I mean, they they, they, they do have a coach. Um, but yeah, like they, they, some of the members have been very outspoken about what they think a coach should and shouldn't do. And it's, it's, everyone talks about how, Oh, you know, this team, like what they need in a coach is more like a life coach. (laughs) They're clearly not somebody who, who, you know, they clearly don't want somebody who's going to be telling them what to pick and picks and bands. Like I, I will definitely give you that.
0: Yeah. And it, it is one of those things where it leads us to the, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think they're going to bounce back fine. They are oh, no guys. And, you know, this were two of the teams that we all projected to be towards the top of the standing. So things get a little bit easier. They'll have some time to sort some of these issues out. But, you know, a team that was kind of surprising in the opposite direction, at least if you paid attention to, you know, what a lot of power rankings were saying, what the casinos were saying, everything else, was G2 Esports, which came into this being seen as, you know, a team that... A lot of people thought it was going to struggle, and they left the week 2-0. So, what did you notice in those games that kind of stood out to you and kind of surprised you in that way?
1: Uh, I think there are a couple things at play for G2. Like, they, yes, they they, had a, they did have a very fantastic start. Um, it is worth keeping in mind that they played against Elements of Rocket, who while they both have a win on the board, we kind of considered them to be, like, the bottom of the table teams, or, or you know, looking coming into it, we looked at them as the bottom of the table teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had excellent pick and bands in both of their games, and a couple things really stood out. Kickass got Tam Kench twice and completely rolled on it, just, just kind of ran over people. Uh, both times they played against a and they shut it down early. Arise actually had a bit of a rough week, um, especially day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the whole 100% pick ban rate, he's still very strong, but like, because games are super fast, especially in Europe... Uh, I, I think we're seeing you know, games where hyperscaling champions like Ryze uh, are kind of a gamble. They're good, but you know, if you can't get to that level, you get shut down early. And you look at the rest of the team comps. Um, taking a look at, at what G2 did in their second game against Rocket, you know they picked Lee Sin, Lulu, Kalista, Braum. And yeah, they, they kind of came together as a team. I think uh, the new players, the Koreans, like, actually have worked out quite well. Trick. In particular, um, you know, he has some big words. He says, you know, I want to be the best jungler in Europe, and and he's he's making a statement for himself right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I'm impressed that they clicked so well early on. Like that's that's the thing that I think was a bit surprising is that you know this team has so many roster changes over the years. Uh, finally makes it back in LCS. Ocelot can can pop the champagne <laughs> and and you know sit on a beach somewhere or whatever he does, and then. They they change the roster again. They they bring in two Koreans, and everyone's just like, "Well, we haven't seen Emperor because he's been in like Brazil or NA or wherever he's been." And and I hadn't even heard of Trick, uh, and it was it was like they just they just kind of fell a line. It was a bit of a hooney Rainover story, uh, maybe not enough speaking, but in terms of how they how well they're able to play, it's just one week. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this team can deliver.
0: Yeah, I I was higher on G two than most, uh, just because. I like a lot of what Perks does. He had some incredible Challenger Series stats, uh, and you know those don't always translate. But you know we make that quote all the time about EU midlaners just growing out of the ether. Dude, and they're so good, man. It was gonna be he or Senkux, and sadly Splice kind of had the opposite week. That
1: GM yeah, did. tell it to my fantasy roster. I drafted <laughs> Senkux for my flex pick. I I don't really know. I think the team just is having trouble adjusting. To LCS right now, like, the org is new uh, to, you know, managing a team they've invested in a lot. I've actually spoken with their owner recently, uh, Marty Strenzelwilk, mm-hmm. um, and he's, he's a really, you know, excitable kind of guy, and he's really excited for the future of this team. Obviously, apart from Trashy, they've all been together for a little while, but, you know, they definitely, got, they definitely got some work to catch up. They just seem to, it seems like they don't really understand how to play on the LCS level, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. It was very indecisive shot calling from them. It just never yeah. it never felt like they knew when or how to pick the fights they wanted, and it's very hard to win that way, uh I would say. Especially in that Elements game. That was a very winnable game that they just didn't seem to know how to they, close out. Is the that way the one they
1: where they kept split pushing with Zed up in up in top and then like then they tried to flank and and team fight against a team fighting Yes, comp. it's exactly yeah, that. The- it was it was a little we, we were scratching our heads about that. We've actually talked about it already today and we're just like why did they do this? It just doesn't make sense. And that's the kind of thing that we'll probably talk about on the broadcast. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, obviously like I said, it's one week. They could bounce back. They could have a 2-0 week. Uh, you know, take a look taking a look at their 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 week 2 schedule. Let me pull it up here just to make sure I know like who they're playing off against. I think they might have an easier week ahead of them. So maybe they'll they'll be able to I don't know. They start with
0: vitality. It. That's not uh, a okay. Story. Never
1: mind. Vitality <laughs> and uh, well, and Rocket. Rocket. Uh, well, Rocket's got more wins than them, and I know you're a fan, so I won't say anything else. Uh, he, like, I, look, I actually, I think that could be a very even game if Splice starts recognizing what it what it messed up on last week.
0: First of all, uh, you don't have to you know be nice to me about this whole Rocket <laughs> thing. If, if anyone, you know the me, theory. I'm a nice. Hey,
1: Rocket was 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 better than we expected.
0: They they were, and The Rock at Twitter, they actually tweeted at me after we did our team preview podcast for them, and they said, so, you know, we understand your concerns, hopefully we'll be more like the Redskins than the Falcons this year for you guys. Oof. They're all in on the nobody believes in us theory.
1: I'm all, yeah. I
0: appreciate. I, uh, I
1: think a lot of the players feel that way individually, too. I mean, you look across this roster, and, and it it's easy to think, much like a lot of people thought about Elements, that it's, it's sort of a leftovers thing, but they seem to have... They seem to have a, have, a, have a purpose in there. Like, uh, you know, Freddy is kind of all about, hey, you know, I know I had a bad last year, but I had a good one before that. I know I can get back to that. Uh, Airwax, uh, you know, this whole meta right now with the jungler, I think Amazing said something to the effect of, like, the jungler kind of needs to play more like at solo queue. That's like Airwax Alley right there. That that works for him. Betsy has actually been a standout on this team um, in a way that he wasn't on Gambit, and that's good. Safir, uh, formerly Jeebus, you know, this is his, this is his LCS debut. Um, And and he's paired with Edward, who is another one of those players that has kind of been meh in recent times, but was once considered very, very great. Yeah,
0: it's it was definitely interesting to watch. I'm I'm a little concerned just because Airwalks goes all in on this counter jungling thing. And you you pull that off in week one because no one was expecting him to be that aggressive on the early game ganks. I want to see what happens now that teams can kind of see it coming and see if he can adjust accordingly, because he's obviously had a very up and down history in his own right. But we'll see. I'm hopeful, uh, if for no other reason than you know we saw. If you look at just the unicorns of love, that was a team that I didn't expect a ton of. You know, there were a lot of
1: surprises. The, the more and more we talk about that unicorns, it is really impressive that we saw them have like very tight, confident shot calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to go too much into detail because again, this is something we will probably talk about in the upcoming week, but it's just so strange to see, like, these guys come in, like, obviously, Chachi and Hillisang were kind of the only holdovers, and we looked at the lineup and we're like, well, Diamond Prox hasn't been that good for a while, same kind of like with Eddie, Fox was, uh, was like, consistent, but never that great, and we haven't really seen much of Steelback since he was on Fnatic at MSI. Yes, he went and played in NA for a little while, but, eh. <laughs> but they but they came together, and they played incredibly well, and, and this, is, this is the thing, like, uh, early jungle pressure, Diamond did both games incredibly well. I think he was... Both games, he was on a lease. Correct me if I'm wrong. He went the AP build, and he just snowballed his lanes. And from there, they took that advantage and and just kind of smartly rotated against their opponents. Like, it was was very smart, snappy calls from this unicorn squad. And that's something that like we've never seen ever associated with the unicorns of love.
0: It is interesting to just see how much having a veteran presence like Diamond can fix a a team like this. You know, it's it's been a team that has honestly struggled to kind of recreate that chaos style if you will that carried them so much in spring and now we're seeing at the very least you know there were some some moments in there that I didn't 100% uh, uh think w- were amazing but they at least were on the same page they were at least making calls together as a unit and i think that kind of set them apart in this week one and i'm i'm looking forward to see how they develop uh one more team that we that we have to talk about because Obviously, this is a team that everyone was talking about uh, before the season started. H2K Gaming. It's the, yeah. you know, the, the super team.
1: The winners of the offseason. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the popular the popular term. Um, I mean, it's more than just the players, right? Like, they, they did make very solid pickup. They brought in uh, Forgiven, and they paired him up uh, with Vander, and they brought in the combo of Yankos And, like, that kind of, like, three-way synergy street has worked out really well for them. Uh, you know, and you always have to be careful talking about Forgiven because there's there's so much, like, public perception that comes along with that. But he, I don't think I've ever seen him, like, just, just just looking, just watching him on screen, I don't think I've ever seen him as comfortable with the team as he is with this one. And he's really evolved as a player, you know, since since his SK days, really. He's still fantastic at, at you know, at doing his own thing, but he seems to play much more team-oriented, and that's really what a team like HDK needs.
0: Yeah. And and for, for Given, it's all about buying into the system, you know. He had that great comment going into the season about how he thought Prawley was one of the best uh coaches, one of the best minds in like League Legends that he's ever worked with. And that yeah. look, if he buys into the system, that's great. Uh he did not seem to buy into Gambit last year and the stats kind of reflected that. I'm very excited to see what he does on this team. I know we just talked about like six teams in a row. But is there any other kind of storyline you're most excited to see play out, other than the ones we've already discussed so far?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess another kind of freebie is talking about Fnatic. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're they're sort of like in the same boat, or they at least last week they were in the exact same boat as they were at the start of the last season, you know, kind of picking up these two Koreans that – uh, are are good, but not maybe we don't really know the difference. Being they're kind of known names, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got you've got Spirit who who did this total like 180 degree turn from Samsung Blue's supportive utility jungle to hard carry. Leave me alone. I'm going to 1v9, uh, and now he's on this Fnatic squad, and he's I wouldn't say he's hit or miss. I, I would say he didn't he didn't seem quite in sync with the team at IM Cologne, mm-hmm. but he's picked that up. Gamsu had you know speaking of 180s, he had one absolutely nutball game where he just completely wrecks people on Olaf and then he and then him and him and Spirit swap champions the next game and it's like, what is this? What am I watching? This is like bizarro <laughs> bizarro fanatic. And then Noxiac. You know, you've got Noxiak coming in. He has never been on a on a on a ship that didn't have holes in it. Mm. Like this is this is his chance to be on like a, a successful uh a successful roster, an already successful name. Um and and he has a lot to say about it. I think he's really I think he has really impressed me as somebody who is willing to like put the time and effort in to learn, and his mechanics are are good. I haven't seen like every one of his champions that I am. He had like Bard Perma against him. Like <laughs> I haven't gotten to see that yet, but I expect to see some some really cool stuff. I, you know, he had some really cool like headbutt pull combos. I believe this last week. Um, I hope he played Alistair, and I'm not just like thinking of somebody else.
0: No, he did. You're good. Yeah. So
1: so that you know. So that's that's like. Kind of the interesting thing, and, and the big difference for this team, for these, these you know, the, the two remaining guys, Febivin and Reckless, is they have to kind of step up and fill the fill the the, the team leader shoes that Yellowstar left behind. Uh, and I think Reckless is, is a little bit more equipped to do that. He seems like the one who's taking more time to talk. I don't know if if it's really come out in his play yet. Um, but you know, he he, he specifically went out of his way and said this in their roster announcement. He said, you know, I think I can lead a team like Yellowstar did uh, because I picked up a lot from him. -hmm. And and that's like that's kind of that's kind of where they're going, and they have a massive support staff around them. Yes, they lost some people. You talked about H two K. They picked up uh, Ispa in the off season, which is you know that's that's kind of a big loss for Fnatic as well. But they still have Daylor. They still got their analysts. Uh, I think there's some of them are new, and they still have that Fnatic infrastructure around them. And I I I don't think they'll have another. Well, obviously they can't have another undefeated season, but they won't have uh, or split rather, but they won't have. In my opinion, another like you know close to eighteen and zero, seventeen one, whatever. But I still think they will do very well. And you know what they say: the old adage always holds true in Europe. Everyone beats everyone, but in the end, Fnatic wins.
0: It really is one of those things where it doesn't seem to matter what esport fanatic gets involved in. They just consistently find a way to be successful. And at some point, you know, if you're getting involved in any of these games, whether it's Counter-Strike or, or League of Legends, I was going to say you're going to have
1: to bring up Counter-Strike if you're yeah. talking about Fnatic winning everything. No,
0: absolutely. And you just you just have to look at what they've set up and what the infrastructure is. to be like, how, what what are they doing that we could learn? And, and there's a reason guys like H2K are like, let's grab as many of these people as we can and, and incorporate that into our own system. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, it says a lot about Fnatic, that they're those guys, you know, the, you'll see this in every sport where there'll be coaches that'll, you know, be, you know, considered great. And then people will start stealing all of their assistants over and over again, hoping that that'll pay off. And so far, man, the Fnatic way just, does seem to work out. I think the only other team that I'm, I do want to touch on, at least very briefly, is Team Vitality, which I always like to say their logo reminds me of someone that would have fit in in a Galaxy Invaders line.
1: Like you definitely yeah, it looks like kind of like a like a like a, a weird like scarab from outer space.
0: Yeah, it's just yeah, like that's
1: that's what it looks like to me.
0: It's it's right there, and that's another team that you got to look at as you know guys that have been thrown together in this system uh, that are all trying to get to know each other. You know, how do you expect their growth to kind of come together as the season goes on?
1: Well, I feel like it might it might parallel what we saw this last week. Like they started completely off the wrong foot and it, you know, it looked like we were watching a team that was literally cobbled together, right? Mm-hmm. But then the next game, they really kind of proved that wrong and you know, like it's not a terrible thing to end the week one and one. Um but it, what's important about this team is every one of them, every one of the team uh, the team members have a a long and fairly storied history for themselves. Uh, you know, Cabochard being, being this uh, kind of carry-oriented top laner who you know, we were hoping to see a little bit more growth from, and we'll see if it happens, shook you know, long, long-standing lineup, a uh, member of like, you know, teams like Alliance and eventually Elements. Um, and then, of course, he had that stand like Copenhagen Wolves. And he has such a, like a, a, a binary on-off switch. Like, he can either do great things or do nothing. But you know he has the potential to be great. Nuke Duck, um, somebody who we saw like you know a couple seasons ago, and then he was gone for a while. Then he came back and and he had you know good carry performances and also some kind of like eh, games. And then you got Kissing and Yarnin, and you know they were so successful together on uh, on H two K. And seeing them back together is is really nice because you you get to see that synergy. And, and Yarnin was never a player like anybody really talked about that much until Kissing came along. Right. And then all of a sudden he was getting pentakills on Sivir.
0: Well, that so, was...
1: One of my—it's the carry potential all there.
0: Yeah, that was one of my favorite things when I interviewed Causing during that trip to Berlin. Is he just said, you know, I love working with Jarnan because he loves to learn and he loves. Did he to giggle play. a lot when he said it? Uh,
1: I, <laughs> hes a I mean, very giggly guy. It's, it's
0: Causing, so yes, there were some giggles involved, uh, which made the audio editing even more fun. Uh, oh, but it, <laughs> it is one of the you know just having that ability to bounce off of someone and know that they'll take in what you're saying and learn from it is just—it's so huge, especially when you look at. You know, it's an 18-game it's an season. There are eight more weeks to go. Uh, obviously, you know, some of these teams that are at the top are going to, you know, kind of falter as metas change. even more
1: comes summer. Oh, Don't forget. Format oh, changes. Best of two, baby.
0: Which I'm sure you're – it's very exciting, obviously, to, to add those kinds very of Very exciting. Uh, and I'm sure, obviously, a ton of work as well to prepare for, for twice the number of games in the same amount of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely will be a lot more. But um you know, we're we're gearing up to handle it. I think we'll be able to.
0: Yeah, well I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been a ton of fun getting to talk with you today and pick your brain on all these different things. Devin, is there anything you'd like to, to plug on your way out?
1: Uh well, you know, I guess I just have to take the obvious route and say, come watch the the second best region in the world. We're on every Thursday and Friday, nine AM Pacific and of course six PM. Central European time. ULCS, baby. That's what we do. Thanks for having me, Chase.
0: Yeah, anytime, man. It has been a pleasure having you here. Uh, If you guys want to hear more interviews and podcasts like these, you should go to soundcloud.com slash rough drafts. It has officially been changed, so you don't have to call us the Esports Gambling Hour anymore because we really didn't do that many things about gambling, and the name was really silly. So soundcloud.com slash rough drafts. Uh, You can find us on iTunes by the same name. Uh, We love hearing back from you guys, you should find us uh, on Twitter. I'm at RedShirtKing. Devin, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, At Pyrotechnics, as everyone uh, probably doesn't know how to spell, because it's weird. It's just P-I-R-A-T-E-C-H-N-I-C-S, And uh, same thing everywhere. If you want to ping me on uh, Twitch or something, that's the same account.
0: (laughs) Perfect. And come back tomorrow, guys, when we will have... the EU LCS Prediction uh, Podcast with Walter and I. And we are going to close out with a little outtake that we had before the recording started that we think you guys are going to really enjoy. So uh, enjoy that. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. Awesome. One last question. How do I pronounce your last name?
1: Young, the E Dutch? is silent, and there's no logical reason for it existing.
0: That's fine. Uh, my last name is Wassenaar. It used to have two A's, and we dropped one for no reason, so now everyone pronounces it wrong and then spells it wrong as a result. So I am is, in, it, uh, is it German? Uh, Dutch, actually.
1: My Dutch, dad, okay. Um, oh, Wassenaar. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was funny when, uh, when I was doing... Uh, like a one of those school projects, like you know, go back through your ancestry and everything. My uh-huh. dad, you know, is like, you know, you know, there were two great wasanar clans. There was one; he was like an evil tyrant who like took over all this land. He has a city named after him, and there were th- the then there were the farmers who worked for him, and that was us. And I'm like, you can't start with the king story. <laughs> and then be like, we're just the peasant farmers that just kind of, you know. That's just- okay, man.
1: My family's all peasant farmers, too. And Young wasn't even our real last name. But I had this genius of a great-grandfather who thought stealing 400 bucks from a bank was a great idea. And to hide it from the cops, he changed his last name, went to hiding.
0: <laughs> That's actually kind of incredible.
1: It's a great story. Yeah. He, he di- at some point, he disappears off the grid, like, completely. We, we checked, like, the the uh, the records of... um what's it, like, not Ancestry Records, but, like, Census Records, Yeah, disappears for, like, 15 years and goes from Tennessee to Chicago, and no one knows what the hell he was up to. (laughs) It's, like, the sketchiest, like, family, dude.
0: That's awesome. I love that.